Welcome to the Intern Whisperer Live, the show all about internships and how to excel and do well. You can also call us and chat with us online through In Pursuit's Facebook Live chat. Reminder, listeners, you can call us on 407-582-2906, and you can chat with us online on Intern Pursuits Live Chat. Coming up in this episode of Intern Whisperer Live, end of the semester, looking for internships? Sign up for Intern Pursuit or contact Isabella at isabella at internpursuit.tech. Our guest, David Moran, one of the co-founders of Omnimodal, will be speaking about how their company helps it... E- Help us make it easier for folks to get around with transportation opportunities. So how can you find Intern Pursuit? We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And you can find our really cool game on Facebook and on Twitter. And you can listen to us live on Valencia College Radio. And you need to follow the Intern Whisperer. Now you can watch us live, like I said, on Facebook. Be sure to look for Intern Pursuit, and you can call us live on the air. The phone number is 407-582-2906, and you can also chat with us online through our live chat. All right, Melanie. First up is our patron, Orlando Devs. Orlando Devs is a nonprofit organization made up of a community of software developers in Orlando. Whether you love writing code or you're just getting started, you're welcome to check out Orlando Devs Meetup to connect with software and IT professionals. The website is orlandodevs.com. Thank you, Orlando Devs, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer. So, our Intern Pursuit news. Students, if you want to work with one of our great employers, go to Intern Pursuit. Be sure to create your profile and get matched. And we're inviting employers of all types and sizes to be part of our Early Adopter Beta Program. Early Adopter Beta Program is a special price, so you want to make sure you take advantage of that before the end of the year. Contact me or go to info at internpursuit.tech. Now, um, and other fun news, Intern Pursuit is a part of the Female Founders Fund. And that is an opportunity to be able to uh, pitch to women investors that are interested in pitch in uh, supporting our organizations, the women organizations. So thank you to female founders. All right, so we're going to welcome David Moran onto the Interim Whisperer. And I don't think I'm saying your last name right, David, so t- educate me. It's Morin, right? Is he on? Where's David? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, here I am. <laughs> did you mute um, yourself? I, I accidentally muted myself. I was talking the whole time. You did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, okay, um, well, good it to really, know. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I was just in Ireland, and they told me that I was mispronouncing my last name because uh, my Irish, my last name is Irish. So they said it's Moran, or Moran, excuse me. Um, so but Moran. we pronounce it Moran. 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 Okay, so we're going to make yes. sure we're saying it the way you wish. All uh-huh. right. <laughs> but so, um, there, it is also a, a Hispanic surname, so some folks will say Moran. Oh, I like that one. You have no Spanish in you, though, right? 
Um, not directly. I mean, I did. I took twenty three and Me, and it said that I I do have some Iberian ancestry and, and Southern European ancestry, but not recently. Mm. I did the Ancestry.com, and it said I'm like 23% Norwegian. Now, you've seen me. Do you see anything that looks Norwegian in, in anything about me? There's no blonde or blue eyes on well, this girl. Well, you know, looks are deceiving. Yeah. You never really know. It's quite <laughs> wild when you, you know, yeah. we, we take for granted the what genetics really mean and where, the, where we actually come from. So, yeah. That, that is true. So, you and Nathan have started up Omnimodal. And Nathan yes. is your partner. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why you and Nathan, how you guys met, how you started Omnimodal, if it was you first and then you met Nathan. Tell us that backstory. Absolutely. Um, Nathan and I, I think we were somewhat on a collision course doing things that we were interested in parallel. And we eventually connected um, through a public art project that I co-founded with a local curator named Pat Green uh, called the Trans Interpretation Project. And we wanted to raise visibility around the public bus system links and the many people that ride it every day. And this was before SunRail launched. Um, so this was pre-SunRail and we've had a bus system here for many decades. Um, but we got a 30-day best pass, and we passed it amongst artists, scientists, planners, community activists, photographers, computer programmers like Nathan, and everybody took a different a trip on a different route each day and then wrote a blog post about it. They, some people created artwork or um, poetry or wrote essays and whatnot about their experience. So that's how Nathan and I first met. And I've been riding public transit, riding the bus for a few years already um, due to economic reasons as a graduate student. Um, and he reconnected with me a few years later and said, you know, he's thinking he wanted to start a, a company. And it, he was being encouraged to do this by Ben Hoyer and, and the downtown Credo folks. And he asked me, if we, were to do, if we were to do something around transportation, what did I think was the biggest problem that needed to be solved? Uh, and I said real-time information. I mean, I said a bunch of things. Because as a, a rider, I could say, you know, there's not enough seating or shade at the stops. The buses are late. There's not enough coverage, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, I was like, not all that's going to be fixed right away. But I would love to at least know when the frickin' bus is coming. Um, so it just would relieve some anxiety and, and waiting. And he said, oh, that's interesting. And so then we dived into looking at how do we build a company, a business model around solving the problem of providing high quality, reliable, real-time information to commuters. And it's since grown to us connecting to this whole open dev community that puts forth these portable interoperable data standards that make real-time information not only for public transit but also bike share and scooter share and other modes of getting around more easily accessible to commuters and software developers. So our mission or, or our statement is that we are um, connecting cities to the future of mobility through transportation technology and uh, cutting-edge mo mobility data solutions. And this includes you know, tracking software, dashboard analytics, and uh, other forms of integration. But essentially, we're working to make it easier for people to get around. 
And there's a, a social mission around this because there have been reports that have come out that show the the leading indicator of someone's ability to escape poverty is tied to their commute times. And so we believe that the solutions that we provide, um, which are aiming to help optimize and improve the way that folks get around, can truly have transformative impact on individuals and communities to make sure that we have, we can live our most authentic lives and realize all of our potential by getting to to work, getting to school, and all the other places that are important to us in a convenient and quick way. You know, there's no reason that it should take someone who does not have a car two hours to get somewhere one way, and someone who can afford all of the the private costs of owning a car only 20 minutes. There's a huge disparity there. And so real-time tracking and data analytics are two of the things that we want to contribute to that overall equity narrative around making our communities more accessible no matter which way you're getting around, whether it's the bus or driving or biking or walking or using paratransit because you're in a wheelchair. You know, I had an experience coming over here today. I ride the bus also, like yourself, and the bus was 30 minutes late. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was going to be late. And then when we get there, now this bus runs every 30 minutes, so now there's twice as many people that are supposed to ride a bus that's normally already full. And it, yeah. was, it was totally stuffed. We were all like sardines in there. And it normally takes 30 minutes for me to get from downtown to Valencia. It took an hour. Mm. Yeah. So it was an hour and a half that was just like so frustrating. And I totally agree with you that I wish that if I had known in real time what it was, I could have gone on a different bus that comes here. I would not have waited that. You could have taken the 15. Yes. But I didn't have that information. And by the time I knew that that bus was late, 15's already gone. And so now yeah. you can't jump on it. And a lot of people don't know. I mean, it depends on whether, like, I've ridden the bus for, I don't know, since 2011. How many years is that? Eight, Eight years. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there comes a point where you develop a literacy of the routes. But for people that are new, they don't necessarily have that, that information and to be able to make those quick choices. Um, and one of the problems that we're still working through the data is, you know, it's a very complex way that buses are managed, when fleets are managed. You know, a, a specific vehicle does not always stay on one route. Vehicles are constantly moving and, and also due to the Civil Rights Act, Buses are randomly assigned to different routes to make sure that, you know, buses that go through uh, predominantly uh, white or upper class neighborhoods versus immigrant neighborhoods versus uh, rural areas are not always the newest vehicles. You know, they're they're actually distributing the, the vehicles across the board. So where that becomes challenging is from a data perspective, keeping up with all these variables so that that real-time information is reliable. And it could be difficult, for instance, if you were waiting for the, the 104. I'm assuming that that's what, the bus that you took. Is that correct? The yeah. 104? 104, yeah. Yeah, so you're waiting for the 104, but if the data is not carrying that narrative through, that the vehicle that's supposed to come, you, come pick you up is actually for another route that's running late, um, and it may be that the vehicle is on the 104, but there's still that story still has to be told 
across that gap of one trip ending and another beginning. So it's a lot more complicated than you would realize, but it's not impossible to resolve. And so much of it is a communication problem. And if you're, I always talk about how you have to make public transit, especially the bus, you have to make the bus dateable. You know, what makes the bus dateable? You have to trust it. It has to be comfortable. It, it can't ghost you, right? Like, if it says right. it's going to show up, it needs to show up. <laughs> I love this. Uh, and yes. You know, and it's got to, like, communicate in real time what's going on. If you're running late, you say it. You know, it's got, it manages expectations. Healthy relationships manage expectations. They have effective communication. If you don't have a healthy relationship in terms of communicating what's going on with the vehicles, and this goes everywhere from the operators themselves explaining what's going on to more automated things that could be done through the data, people aren't going to come back or they're going to have such a negative view of the system that they're going to, as soon as they can afford or get resources to not use the bus, they're not going to, Yep. you know? So yeah, there's so much around that that needs to be resolved. But what happened to you, you know, it's a challenge because there's always the risk. But that also goes into the problem of how the routes are designed too, which is not something we can immediately solve. But, for example, if there was a bus rapid transit system that ran on Colonial and ran every six minutes, regardless of whether that other vehicle had been late, you still would have had options. Mm-hmm. So we take away some of the options. You know, real-time tracking can't solve it all, but we do believe that the data that they're working with can make it possible to improve and optimize the system. But you have to make it visible. You have to make it real in terms of tracking that data in real time, then you have to make it impactful by actually figuring out, okay, now we have this data, because not only when we track the bus vehicles, we're tracking them to share with commuters, we're also tracking it to archive so that we can start to do forecasts and figure out how to better optimize the system over time. Because you're looking at things like schedule adherence that show how often our bus is showing up on time and there's a window. I don't know if you know this, Isabella is a rider, but the window for whether a, a bus is on time is that it's one minute early to four minutes late. Mm. So as long as it's a minute early or four minutes late, it's still on time, which I know for a, the average rider, that would like, it's still a nightmare scenario because like that minute can make all the difference in whether you catch the bus. It absolutely does. And that does. four That's minutes can be me. so frustrating if it's like 100 degrees outside so or it's pouring down rain. Absolutely. Yeah. That absolutely happened to me three times this past week. It was, I truly, I was there. I knew I had like a minute. It usually runs a little late. I watched it drive right past me. And, <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't close enough that I could even run and catch it because I was yeah. far enough away they would not have seen me. I would have had to run around the corner. And I went, I cannot believe this. So what I, I have yeah. a solution. What I wish they would do is anybody, because I buy my bus pass online, I yeah. wish they would go and send out alerts to anybody that buys an, you know, a digital ticket. And then secondly, they could post those over at the, you know, the central station. And then there's this other thing that happens on when I leave from work on a Friday or a Saturday, 
I did not yeah. know this until this past week. They yeah. reroute the buses because they don't want to go down Orange Avenue, but there's all of these stops all the way down Orange because it's, you know, Bar Street. It's Bar Oh, because, of, because it closes at a certain time on, on Saturdays. Fridays and Saturdays, the Orange Avenue closes at a certain time. Ones, yeah, they don't do anything past 915. So you have to go find wherever it is where it's, it's going past the, the place oh, on yeah. Orange Avenue. And I was running to try and catch that bus, too, because I was going, oh, my God, I've already missed it. Yeah. And so I went yeah. to the next stop it, to try and get it. And at that point, you're off peak, so you're not getting the frequency that you would get um, on a weekday, or um, which the frequency here is terrible to begin with. But most of the frequencies go from 30 minutes to an hour if you're... After eight, after eight o'clock, mm -hmm. eight, 8 p.m. Um, and, you know, and that goes into, because, you know, some of the things that us working with real-time tracking does not solve right now are capacity. So often the scenario is uh, you want to know when the vehicle's coming, but you also need to know how many, like, are there spots available on the vehicle for me to get onto it? You mentioned the issue of, okay, that bus broke down or whatever, and now twice the the load of passengers is going to get on. So someone waiting somewhere between where you all boarded and, you know, your final destination might not be able to get on the bus because it's full. So if you don't have the capacity information somehow categorized, the real-time information is moot because you're like, you can't get on the bus. And then the, there's two more variables that I think are really important in this technology. One is the payment and validation. Uh, and this is especially for visitors or uh, beginner riders. If you are trip planning and then you find a trip you need to take and the bus is arriving in a minute, but you don't know how to pay or you don't have cash, you're up the creek and you're not going to be able to use that. that you're not, you can't take advantage of that trip that was available to you. That's right. And then finally... What I like to call is dynamic uh, rerouting, uh, which is essentially real-time dynamic rerouting, which is kind of what you're talking about. There's a road closure, especially if this happens on a regular basis, which is the case with Orange Avenue uh, nightlife road barricades. Yeah. Um, you reroute uh, the data during that period of time so that it shows... You, if you're doing trip planning and you're using Google Maps or using Transit App or another um, compatible application that uses the data that we use, it's called GCFS, the General Transit Feed Specification, um, you, it will show you, oh, the bus is actually going to go to this stop. So those stops that you thought you could go to because you've always known in your muscle memory that those are the stops, you can't rely on them. So the dynamic, real-time dynamic rerouting would take you to that stop that's off of orange uh, where the bus is actually detouring to and ideally that would also work in um you know if there's car accidents or unexpected uh disruptions too um, but that's something that's still being developed it's not impossible but there's just more development that needs to go into accelerating that thing so the real time is just the one piece of this there's also the capacity there's the payment and validation there is um, the dynamic rerouting that I was talking about. And was there one more that I just said that I'm forgetting? Capacity. 
Payment and validation. Is that all of them? I swear I said four. I, th I think so. Capacity, payment and validation. Okay. I, Maybe it is. I don't know. I wasn't counting them. So I've been. No, so I guess it is three. Yeah, yeah. So payment. Yeah. So the capacity, like you, you need to not only see that this route exists, you need to not only have the real time information, you need to be able to know what the capacity is of that vehicle to be able to pay to get on and also to see the, the route respond with adequate service alerts and route adjustment visualizations when the routes change. So those are all very important things. Yeah. And you know, we, we want to get to tackling all those things and not just with public transit. This is important when you're looking at bike networks with walking, um, you know, walking paths with a scooter and bike share, with car share, um, ride hailing pickup locations, Uber and Lyft and mirrors or whoever. And so this is all part of um, what some people say is MOS forward or mobility as a service forward. So mobility as a service or MOS, it, upper, uppercase M, lowercase AA, uppercase S, is some people describe it as being like the Netflixing of transportation, where you eventually will pay a monthly subscription fee to get access to a certain number of bus trips and a certain number of train trips and a certain number of uh, bike share and scooter share trips and car share trips and maybe a discount on Uber and Lyft rides. And you pay this monthly subscription to cover all of those things. And you're able to seamlessly pay across all those things, too, instead of, you know, having... 10 different real-time tracking and 10 different payment applications and all kinds, you know, there's like a little bit of app fatigue right now, which it's totally fine to support, you know, competition and developing a bunch of different apps. But it's important to also make sure that data can flow through all of these apps so that you're getting the most accurate real-time information and other data, the information that you need, and that you're able to pay seamlessly. Um, instead of, you know, so it's so fragmented right now. So that's the future of mobility as, as a service, particularly is that ecosystem where you have that quality real-time information, that seamless payment, uh, as well as capacity in, in, in dynamic rerouting um, across all these modes. In addition to um, the innovation in your company and creating almost like a Netflix type of system, yeah. Can you talk also about the philanthropic focus as well? I mean, like our social mission? Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that mission. was also a part of you being uh, part of the social enterprise accelerator. Yeah. So we were really fortunate to be part of the inaugural class for the Rally Social Enterprise Accelerator that Downtown Credo and Rollins and uh, Clean the World. Um, uh, entrepreneurs in action, the Central Florida Foundation, many other folks are, are supportive of. And they uh, selected us to receive a $25,000 investment last year uh, as a part of the, the first pitch night. So that was really um, amazing. Um, and, you know, in the social enterprise space, there's a lot of discussion around mission-driven companies and also um Form, forming a B Corps. And a B Corps is a 
type of corporation that institutionalizes a social mission into the organization. Because often corporations, you know, you're you're accountable to your board or whomever, and you need to hit a certain number uh, in terms of re- revenue and profit and all of that. So when you form as a B Corp, you say, yeah, we need to have sustainable revenue and generate profits. But we also are working towards the social mission, and we can't lose sight of that. And there's debate about whether you really need to incorporate as a B Corp or if you can truly be a mission-driven company that's for-profit but has a focus on this specific issue. So I think regionally, depending on who you talk to, they could see us being a social enterprise or they could see us just being a, you know, a tech company. In places where public transit is widely used and um, kind of the norm, for us to be a transportation tech company, they'd be like, okay, well, that's run-of-the-mill. There you go. In places where there's an extreme stigma around public transit and it's very dis- it's uh, considerably disinvested, it's like, oh, wow, that's really important. Because public transit in the southeast in particular is very othered. It's very, like, that's not – that's for people that are in distress or it's not for all – it's not, like – you're not making it if you're riding public transit. So, um, but I think for us, the social mission, uh, a couple things, economic mobility, um, empowering people to be able to achieve a, a prosperity and live a quality of life um, that allows them to thrive. And that includes living wages and access to education and to work into healthcare, um, sustainability, and um, physical activity. One of the benefits of public transit and active commuting is that you burn calories. You work in um, movement into your day by, you know, an average, on average, someone who rides the bus walks 20 more minutes a day than someone else who doesn't. Um, You know, and that can, that adds up in terms of your steps. So we see that our mission in terms of supporting public transit uh, and mobility as a service comes down to improving quality of life and shared prosperity for everyone. And that, when, in, in the smart city space, talk a lo- there's a lot of discussion around how smart cities technology supports the environment, um, it supports transportation, and it supports health. It really comes down to quality of life. And we see the impact that comes from us making data more accessible to everyone, um, normalizing public transit and encouraging people to care about it, et cetera, in conversations and and break down the stigma as being a part of our social mission. But additionally, incorporating social impact-oriented metrics into our dashboard analytics so that our our clients, which are cities, transit agencies, um, regional authorities, can measure or attempt to measure how different modes of transportation move the needle on public health, on green initiatives, sustainability initiatives, and also economic mobility and access to improving someone's socioeconomic status and getting an education 
appreciated sustaining and retaining employment and so forth. It's just very interesting to hear you speak about how public transportation impacts a community. It really changes the culture because I know even just in New York where pretty much everyone relies on public transportation. I always like going over there because it's weird. You you see people on the street, everyone's walking. It's There's just a more lively energy to it that you yeah. don't really get here where you're always kind of stuck in a car and you're mm-hmm. more secluded. Yeah. yeah, and I really think that impacts the psychology of the street and the community. You know, there's definitely more risk in some ways when you're around people that are different from you. But the car-centric design of my attention creates a lot of dead space. And it also isolates people so that you have people often in extreme conditions that are the only people that are out in the street, And that further reifies, I think, the economic and racial oppression um, that exists. And so I would argue that places like Orlando are highly segregated by race and class. And if you want to see that, all you have to do is get on a bus or walk the street. And you see that there is this assumption around privilege and status based on whether you're walking, biking, riding the bus, or driving your own personal vehicle. And I I think that's harmful to civic engagement. I think that's harmful to community health. I think that's harmful to this being a sustainable community. We cannot all drive and um, continue to support poor land use decisions um, that... mm, force us to be so dependent on vehicles. Um, all, uh, at the end of the day, all this comes down to land use. Absolutely comes down to land use. So that's another piece of our focus is affordable housing and, and land use management with the data analytics that we support. Um, but I often talk about, when we're talking about affordability and equity, it's important to talk about location affordability which is the combination of your housing and your transportation costs. Because um, when you look at that, that's when you can really start to compare, is it more affordable to be in Orlando versus New York City? For all those people that you mentioned that are using transit and not driving your car, that money goes to their rent um, or other, other bills and investments in themselves that they want to or need to make. Here, you're it's expected that you get a car. Some people are fortunate not to have to pay a car payment, but many people are in the position that they have to pay for a car. They have a monthly car payment, insurance, gas, maintenance, the risk of getting in an accident, you know, the risk of personal injury in an accident. Cars are very dangerous, not to mention the environmental impact. Um, In many ways, cars are not good for us. They're more, you know, I have a fear of flying, I still fly, I travel a lot, but I have to remind myself every day that it's probably, it is more dangerous to drive than to fly, and it's probably more dangerous to walk or bike than it is to fly as well, um, but it doesn't always feel that way. So uh, there's got to be, a sh- there needs to be a shift in culture, because cars can are not the future. I know people talk about autonomous vehicles, but we can't sustain the network as it currently exists. 
That is a good place. Uh, David, we're going to take a moment to do our patron announcement. So Great. go ahead and... Starter Studio is a pioneering hub for innovative and tech-enabled entrepreneurs that empowers and provides resources for entrepreneurs, creatives, and innovators to begin, grow, and flourish in Central Florida. They offer open community educational programs, accelerators, funding, and collaborative workspaces. Starter Studios fosters a community, serving as a platform for the ideas of the future. Their website is www.starterstudio.org. Thank you, Starter Studio, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer Live. All right, so we have two more questions, and then we're going to be wrapping up here. So we've we've kind of covered a lot of our questions, and you've been such a wonderful guest, David. So, Thank you. I um, hope I haven't talked too much. Oh, I'm no, like, crap, I, I should give brief answers. I find you fascinating to listen to, and this is what your PhD <laughs> is all about, right? Yeah, my, my PhD is is also focused on looking at open data and transit equity. So it overlaps what we do with Omnimodal as well. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me. I could like listen to you for a long time. So, <laughs> But this show is called The Interim Whisperer, and it's about our intern pursuit. So you have a student, Gerardo, from Rollins yes. College that's working with you. Why don't we you do. share with our listeners about what it is, what's a typical day look like for Gerardo working at Omnimodal? Yeah, well, I talked about today. Um, so Gerardo has been with us since, I want to say, started in May, May 20th. Yep. Uh, and we just, we did his uh, mid 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 review, and then we have decided to extend him to December because initially it was a three month uh, internship, and then we've extended it three more months. Um, um, it's been somewhat of a learning for me as his uh, direct supervisor because one, this is Nathan and I's first time launching a company. Two, this is our first time having an intern. Well, it's our second time, first time having a full time intern. We had some uh, interns with Playground City last summer. Uh, that would come in uh, from time to time. So uh, Gerardo, Gerardo is our uh, business information technology intern. And we're very fortunate that he has a background in software development and programming, as well as marketing and business development. So it's, it's a wonderful combination um, of skill sets that allows him to be very flexible and, and nimble in supporting some of our day-to-day uh, tasks and projects. But anyways, uh, we meet, um, he and I have a one-on-one -on, -one on Mondays or Tuesdays it may change with his new class schedule where we check in. And today they always end up being like two hours because we usually check in about some of the things that he's working on. Um, right now he is helping us, uh, fine tune our smart cities readiness index. So he's going through and looking at over a hundred cities across the country and, you know, looking at, do they have bike share? Do they have scooter share? Do they have car share? Um, what type of data are they using for their public transit service? So GTFS, which I mentioned earlier, which is that open transit data um, standard, do they have that or do they need it? And we're trying to figure out of these cities, who do we think are similar in profile to Orlando and would be great for us to expand our MVP that we've developed, which is a multimodal dashboard that looks at public transit, uh, smart parking, and bike share. 
data. So he's been um, using Airtable, which I recommended that he use, and it's been a really cool. Um, it's it's a cool, like really amped up version of Excel. He's doing a great job of putting that together, and he's actually going to be presenting on his findings tomorrow to recommend to us of that list of over a hundred cities, which um, of them, which are like the fifty most optimal for us to consider doing more targeted uh, direct marketing to either digital marketing, cold calls, this, that, and the other. And we also have him gearing up to, so we spent a lot of time talking about that today. We also started discussing a strategy for him to conduct user testing on the dashboard that we've developed for the city of Orlando. Um, it's really important to do user testing to get your products, your software in front of folks and to use the user testing model of you know having them talk out loud about what they're trying to do so that you can understand like what is what assumptions have we made about the user interface what things are missing uh, often the product development team the developers the the project managers will totally close a lot of gaps fill in a lot of gaps themselves and not realize that there are things that are missing and that are, are very basic uh, to make sure that when someone is clicking on and using um, some software that it, it works for them and it's intuitive and, and navigable and all that. Then finally, uh, Gerardo is gearing up to be a project lead for us to uh, consider launching an open source transit application. Um, it's, it's called One Bus Away, and it's the only open source transit, real-time transit tracking application that's a native app on the market right now. And we're thinking about opportunities to potentially launch that application for Android and iOS. Uh, so he's starting to do research around uh, the GitHub and understanding what the protocols are to launch an open source native app, um, especially thinking about the feature parity between iOS and Android, which could be challenging when you're trying to launch a solution is how do you make sure that you have as consistent of an experience as possible, whether you're using an Android device or an iPhone. Um, so his, yeah, his, his big projects right now are this uh, market research with the Smart Cities Readiness Index, um, user testing with our, our dashboard. He's also been doing some case studies of some of our competitors. We have more competitors than we realize, which is always nerve wracking, but you know, Sometimes you can't get too bogged down in that. And then we're trying to create this opportunity for him to be a project lead on uh, building the foundation to consider launching this One Bus Away app. And if we launched this in Orlando, it would have real-time information for Lynx and SunRail, and potentially even Bike Share, as well as the iRide Trolley and the Sanford Trolley, all in one application. Because uh, we feel like we could potentially work with different stakeholders to pull all that data in there. And I believe it would be the first app in Central Florida where all of that real-time information is one place, in that one place. We're really excited about that. So um, yeah, we had a long meeting today going through that stuff. And Gerardo's gonna be scheduling a planning meeting for Nathan and I and him to talk more about um, the One Bus Away project coming up. And he's also looking at getting a uh, leadership certificate through his program and so he's putting together a needs assessment, and I, uh, we were looking at a draft of the questions today that he's going to send to Nathan and I to fill out 
um, so that he can potentially do a project as a part of the certificate that's separate from the other things that he's doing, uh, which will be so helpful to us and also will help him get um, additional certification with this program. But that I've had such a, a pleasure working with him, um, especially, him, you know, he's just been a wonderful team player, especially it's really hard. I've been an intern and working and it's hard to balance school with your internship. And so we spent a lot of time talking about capacity management and realistic expectations and like asking for help because sometimes, you know, I think as an intern, you're intimidated from admitting vulnerability because you think it might cause you to get a bad performance evaluation or, you know, not have your, your contract extended or, or whatever. So we try to really um, have a holistic, trust, trustworthy environment to do that. And one, one of my favorite things that we do with every meeting that we have is we start off with highs and lows, both personal and professional, omnimodal. So today, and I enjoy it because I get to talk about myself somewhat too. And then I'll, I'll like come to some epiphany that I didn't realize why I was upset about something that happened last week with my friends. Uh, because, you know, there's there's that personal component. And we build that like understanding of each other as fully human individuals that aren't just there to do work. Um, and Gerardo has been so helpful with our team development component, which I think is critical. He coordinated like a Myers-Briggs 16 personalities seminar with Nathan and I, where he had us fill out this questionnaire and then did this great presentation, you know, walking us through what all of our personalities meant. And and he's going to be coordinating an outing for the three of us to go to Top Golf soon, which I've never been to. Oh, that's a fun fun place. So, So we're trying to like give, you know, make sure that he has opportunities to grow professionally, that we're also connecting personally that we're leading with compassion as we look at like professional development, that I also take ownership for things when I make mistakes and just want it to be a really healthy and realistic and real um, supportive environment. And so far, I think it's going that way. I mean, Gerardo could feel differently, but overall, outside of maybe sometimes me getting really cerebral and talking a million miles a minute and just shifting directions real quick, quickly, which is very much um, an ADHD thing kind of thing to do, which I think he's been keeping up with pretty well. So um, I've so enjoyed having him as a part of the team. Yep, he is an awesome guy. Well, we are going to be having to wrap up our show because we have another show that's going to come in behind us here. Yeah. So um, I want to thank you for being a guest here. Uh, I'm going to skip the transition music just so you know. We're going to say thank you to Valencia College. We love you, Q. He's our station manager. He makes everything so much fun for us here. Um, We're going to do shout-outs real quick. Melanie. Um, I guess my typical shout-out, shout-out to family. Uh, All right. Yeah. Family's still visiting, so I'm enjoying that. Shout out um, to Sydney, our new person that joining the hey. team. Okay, Sydney, you're up. Shout out. Shout out to um, today being the last Monday before classes start. Um, <laughs> I guess I mean, yeah, like the last Monday of the summer. After this, it's lights out. Yeah. It's oh. David goes to UCF also. He's in the PhD program oh, out P- there. That's yeah. right, in the PhD. Well, I'm still getting my bachelor's, and I salute you for wanting to go that far in your education because I'm uh, done swiftly after this. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. David, you get to do a shout out. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to Maxine's on Shine. Um, we went there with my friends for 
for a birthday party. And it's such a great restaurant. I had a really good time. And I just, and just a shout out to small businesses, local businesses and restaurants in general. I'm so grateful for all of those, those entrepreneurs out there that are making Orlando a little bit more special with uh, their passion projects. And I recommend supporting them all. Snaps to all of that. Yes. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my shout-out goes to welcoming Sydney on the show. Thank we have a bunch you. of new people that are going to be starting with us all next mm-hmm. week. The Next week is Melanie's last week, so sad. it's going to be sad. But we're also wishing her well, so thank you, Melanie. And then thank you to the people that have been with me for the long haul on the game and also in um, with Interim Pursuit with the software development. So thank you. And then thank you, David and Nathan. I really appreciate you guys being fans and supporters of Interim Pursuit. So, you know, it's been such a joy to work with you guys and get, you know, real feedback that's valid and helpful. So I love you guys. All right. So as we close our show, we want to thank you, our listeners, um, to – you know, supporting Interim Pursuit and Interim Whisper. And you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. We have shows up there now. And you can look for us on Instagram. So you can listen to us live again over here on Facebook on the Valencia College Radio. All right, so take us out, guys. <laughs>